All right, so I know we made a big deal about it a couple uh, episodes ago, but Tom Brady, um, after two months of like sitting around with his kids, decided that enough is enough and came out of retirement. Um, I don't know how to feel about that, you know? Because his son won't kiss him anymore. Damn. That that probably that's probably part of it. <laughs> his son is too oh, argumentative. My boy, my boy has grown up. I, he won't, he won't, he won't make that. Jonathan, Jonathan, he's from California, yeah. idiot. <laughs> That's not I talking. won five Super Bowls. <laughs> That's like Belichick, bro. That, no, Belichick doesn't have that accent either. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. You, Jonathan, you really don't watch football, do you? What? Football? Football? <laughs> The bill that but you yeah, Tom food? Brady, the GOAT, is going to play at least one more season. I am tell interested. Him the, tell him about the ball, Ruben. Tell him about the ball. What? what? Oh, the, the what, what, what ball? The flit game? The last touchdown ball. The quote-unquote. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so the day before Tom Brady came out of retirement, um, so Mike Evans, who caught his last uh, touchdown pass, threw it into the stands randomly. And at this point, no one knew Tom Brady was retiring. So the guy who caught the ball sold it at auction a cut like two days ago for five hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars. Next day Tom Brady comes out of retirement. I feel real bad for the sucker who paid five hundred thousand dollars for that ball. And for the guy who caught the ball and sold it, I really hope the transaction went through or else he's really screwed. <laughs> but yeah, Tom Brady playing at least one more season. Very interested to see him play. Do not want him to win another Super Bowl. I really hope he doesn't. Um, really hope anyone else. I, the field. One, one of the other 31 teams. Hell, I'll, I'll take the Browns. I'll take the Browns winning the Super Bowl before I... <laughs> no. It, it, it'd be a cold day in hell before no. I'd be happy seeing Tom Brady winning another I'm, Super Bowl. I think I'm going for the... I think I, I'm cheering for the Knicks this next, uh, this next season. The Knicks. Oh, do I have news for you, JQ? Oh. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pop Culture Quince Essentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros. I am one third of Cubed, and I am being joined by Jacob, uh, another third of Cubed, and and me, JQ, the the fan favorite. I am sure. That's what you tell yourself. <laughs> um, I know we said at one point it'd be bi-weekly. We broke it, obviously. Um, I blame. All our spring break travel, Jacob went on a college road trip. Yes. Trying to figure out what he's going to do next year. Not 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 just next year with my life. You know what I'm saying? I mean it's one day at a time, Jacob. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life and I am And he's failing miserably. Am I right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, how about you, JQ? Come on, come on, some encouragement, please. Yeah, you my life, my life. Yeah. My life. Just encouraging me already. I remember. In my life, you're talking about the Beatles, right? No, no, I'm asking. No, I'm asking about your your own life. Oh, bon you're bashing Jovi. us. You're bashing bon us. Jovi. <laughs> Stop! Oh, that's a good one. Stop! <laughs> Look, oh, bottom line. Life. Bottom line is, we're young. We're all still figuring it out, and yes. there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> right, Jonathan? I'm I know exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to look myself in the mirror. I'm going to cry. I'm going to leave the bathroom. I'm going to I'm going to take a shit, then leave bed, finally wake up. 
And there goes our two viewers. They're gone. <laughs> bye bye. Have you, have you guys have you guys heard that? Uh, have you guys heard uh, my friend's morning routine? It's no, I don't think you've heard this. So they they wake up, they take a shit, they get out of bed. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Did you just see the same joke twice, bro? Yeah. Bro, why? All right. Well, <laughs> this conversation has evolved, so let us move on to the actual meat of the podcast. Yes. We're going to start. As usual, we are going to start with uh, some news stories about what's going on in the industry. Um, to start out, uh, we're going to start out with a sadder note uh, today. Um, a couple nights ago, no, actually yesterday, uh, William Hurt, uh, Oscar-winning actor, uh, passed away. Um, his Oscar was for the role in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Um, he was a four-time nominee, a really decorated actor. Um, he was 71 years old. Um, well, most of our viewers are probably going to know him um, from his role in the recent Marvel movies where he played uh, General and then Secretary of State uh, Thunderbolt Ross um, in, I think, The Incredible Hulk, Civil War, and Infinity War. Black um, Widow as well. And Black Widow as well. Yeah. And I think he was had a cameo in Endgame as well. But uh, uh, yeah. he had apparently terminal prostate prostate cancer that had spread to his bone in uh, May of 2018. So he lived four years after that diagnosis. So, mm. I mean, I guess that part's a little positive, um, but still, um, I think he had a good life. Um, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. <clears throat> um, some of his other roles, um, AI, artificial intelligence, The Village with M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Serena, Sirena, uh, the Goal, the Good Shepherd, Mr. Brooks, Into the Wild, and Robin Hood. Um, and then let's see. His other nominee, other roles he was nominated for, uh, Children of a Lesser God, uh, Broadcast News, and then um, let's see, A History of Violence was the other one. Um, Jonathan, your thoughts on the passing of William Hurt? I mean, I mostly knew him. Uh, as the actor for for Thunderbolt Ross, honestly, but uh, yeah, like I, I think it's it's always sad when someone passes on, especially when like you don't realize what they're going through. There have been a lot of actors in recent years who have been who have been victims to cancer, and like they've tried to keep it under wraps, and then like they try to keep pushing forward and. Like it's 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 always sad to see uh, someone like so talented go. Uh, so like I I really just wish the best for his family. I wish the best for people close for him close to him. Um, and yeah, I um, it, it makes it makes me sad because I know he was gonna I I know like he he was gonna start getting steadier work in the MCU and that was gonna be he's probably gonna come back into the mainstream more fully and he might have been able to get some more like big nominee level roles through that so i feel like there was still a lot left for him to do but i do hope that you know he was a damn long time though like he did a pretty long life there yeah Yeah, i think we underestimate how how long 71 years is but yeah i mean we're we're all in our well (laughs) you and i are in our 20s jacob I'm Still in his even, teens, but yeah, we got the second decade. Yeah, Jacob's eighth birthday is coming up in uh, two months. Yep, turning eight. It's great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jacob, any yeah. thoughts you want to add um, onto that? What Jonathan was saying. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, like, uh, like it's 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 a loss, a horrible loss, I guess. Uh. So condolences go to the family, obviously, of uh, of William Hurt. Uh. But uh. I, yeah, I didn't really know much, uh, like, obviously, and I didn't really see him in much else than uh, the, the Hulk and the Marvel roles that, or the Marvel role that he had in uh, most of the MCU movies, you know, later on. I think he was introduced in Civil War, but yeah, um, I think he definitely did have a lot left, but uh, one thing I'm just interested to see now is... Uh, what they're going to do for that Hulk show, you know, it'll be in, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they, they finished filming or not, but like, I don't know if he had a role in it, yeah. but like we said, the, our full thoughts with the family, I guess that role comes secondary um, yeah. to what they're going through right now. Yep. Um, but he brought us uh joint entertainment through his work and um, I will have to explore more of his work because I haven't seen much of it. Um, moving on. Heard, Sorry, go I was going to say I heard "Kiss of the uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman" is really good, uh, so that might might have to go on the watch list. The very long, long, long watch list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think all our watch lists are insanely long at this yeah. point. Um, moving on to the second story here that we have. So, um. Francis Ford Coppola's uh, magnum opus, or at least one of the magnum opuses he's made, um, The Godfather, turns 50 um, on March 24th of this year. Um, so it's coming up here. Um, I just wanted to talk about this briefly since we, all three of us, watched The Godfather for the first time last summer, right? Or was it a couple summers ago? I don't remember. Two summers ago. It was two summers ago. So we recently watched it for the first time. Um, but it's a landmark film, and it's turning half a century old. Um, Jonathan, your thoughts on The Godfather turning 50? Uh, well, you know, you know, I'm crazy, brother. <laughs> I'm a regular author. You can't, I, can't do a, I can't do a Corleone. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it, was a, it was an attempt. It's crazy how quick the day turns into night. 50 years have passed. It was a really good movie. I got it. I mean, I, I owe a lot to that movie. That movie taught me how to conduct business properly. Whenever I have to negotiate now, uh, I'm sure to uh, decapitate a horse's head and uh, bring it to the deal. Uh, I have been banned from several companies at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but like in all seriousness um like ford coppola what is i don't is he still alive crap i don't know yeah yeah he is he is he is a filmmaker like of insane talent this man dropped three of the greatest movies i've ever seen godfather godfather part two apocalypse now which ruben has not seen because he is a fake fan um <laughs> <laughs> calling me out but, Godfather is a fantastic movie, dude. Great acting all around. Like it's it's so it's like a slower paced movie, and yet it never loses your attention. And like 
that kind of thing is hard to pull off. And I feel like it was maybe one of, it, it was probably one of the first times that we saw that coming into the, into the mainstream to such a, to such a high degree, like something that's, that has such an impact like that. Like the, the impact that that movie has had is, is enormous. I mean, if you've, if you've, if you've ever seen the, I believe uh, the 2004 classic Shark Tale, uh, many, 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 many influences uh, from that film came from The Godfather. Why um, do you pull that film? Like, like out of every film The Godfather's inspired, you yeah. pull the parody that DreamWorks made in 2004. Parody. Parody. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you, Ruben? High art. Will Smith, people complain about him not getting nominated for concussion. That's the role he should have been nominated for. Stop. Oscar. Right there, okay. Yes, Oscar the Grouch. No, Oscar the <laughs> Shit! Oscar the You ruined your own gag. Stop. No, I did it. You did Ruben. that on purpose. Okay, but the okay, Godfather... Okay. You want me to be fair? Martin Scorsese was also very highly inspired by Coppola. We can see this in 2004's Shark Tale. <laughs> the Pufferfish is uh, very similar to Sonny, uh, mm-hmm. except that he doesn't get gunned down at a at a at a toll booth. Mm. Great, great job, great job spoiling the fifteen-year-old <laughs> movie. No, um, but God, but no, I mean Godfather. To try to rein this conversation back in, it's one of the most influential films ever made, um, just in the sense of how high dramatic storytelling works. You know. The more the the show note don't tell aspect of filmmaking, I think, came a lot from came from this movie a lot. I feel. Yeah, you know, like a lot of Coppola's work actually, honestly, like yeah, Coppola really knows how to use the frame to like tell the story without actually directly telling the audience what's going on. The final shot of Godfather, when uh, Michael Corleone's wife's looking into the room as the door is closing is probably one of the best shots in cinematic history. Yeah. I mean, just all the nuance that's on her face and like the drama of that situation and the horror on her face of who her husband has become. The horror, um, the horror. <laughs> and then Marlon Brando, like such an iconic performance. I don't think, I don't think he's on screen that much in this movie. I no, probably under like 30 minutes and it's like what, two and a half hours in this movie? Yeah. He I absolutely mean, steals every moment that he's on screen though. The opening no, 20 minutes with him, I mean, it just freaking Godfather. immerses what you. Am I, what am I going to do? You could act like a man. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jacob, your thoughts on Godfather turning 15, I guess your general thoughts on the Godfather movie. Yeah, um it's uh it's definitely a big deal, I think. Uh you know, uh I think arguably like people say that it's probably like the one of the best films that they've ever seen. Um and I, I think it's it's definitely like you know up there, but you know, obviously I I I do not fully agree with this, but like it's 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 a great movie. Oh it's great. It's yeah. a great movie, yeah. I think like a lot like like a lot is done and like with like the idea of you know like kind of like i love how like they immerse you in that like that era of like obviously i think they they glorify it in a sense like in this in in the godfather but the the era of like um you know uh the mob and stuff like that and 
in New York. I'd argue it's they glorify aspects of it, but I feel like it's a realistic take on it. it now is, it's not it's as realistic, realistic as some of Scorsese's takes. Like Goodfellas is one a more realistic take on the mob world and all the horrors yeah. in it. But I feel like Godfather does a pretty good job of showing the allure of the mob life, while at the same time showing at least some of the horror that comes with. They show quite a bit of the horror, yeah. I think, of what's involved. In. I think oh, the sequel that captures that better, personally, yeah. that aspect. You wouldn't, um, not, you yeah. wouldn't have movies like Godfather Part Two or like Martin Scorsese's like more famous and like grounded gangster movies without The Godfather. Like in all seriousness, that kind of opened <laughs> the up the gate to the exploration of like the mob, to the exploration, the exploration of like the criminal underbelly of a city. Like that was mm-hmm. like. It established basically how you how you explore that kind of thing, and like um, it, it brought interest, audience interest into that, uh, and it it also like it, it tries to stay true. Like they talk to a lot of like actual mob members and former mob members to get like a a feeling of like you know like how the world functioned and like how it was like to be a part. Of like such a closely knit group and family yeah. and like the dangers and the joys that come with something like that but, yeah, yeah i definitely think like the world building that they do kind of like it's just like insane and yeah. like and, and it's almost it's immediate honestly because like they Open. set the, mm-hmm. the they the beginning the first scene is like in the, at the wedding right mm-hmm. and like immediately you like uh, as a, the audience like you recognize like the the power uh that uh you know don corleone has mm-hmm. uh, in the in the uh, city uh i think it's new york right it's, it's like somewhere it's, 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 it's new york right okay, in new york. i think it's it is new york. new york yeah it's new york yeah. yeah but like just the power he has over like the, the people living in uh, in the city of new york and just like the influence he has even though like it might not be direct but like kind of like the moving parts that like all the moving parts of uh mob of the mob life and stuff like that i think like the the movie really dives deep into that and it make it like it makes for an interesting uh two hours and a, and a half or so yeah. so like it's from beginning to end it's like it's a total immersion into like a different kind of uh i would i, I kind of want to say it's like a like a culture almost like in like because like mob mob life is, it's kind of like a, a culture you know like there's a there's a culture to the uh gangster mob, mob life i think it's so yeah i think i, I get what you're saying yeah. it's one of the first movies because this is 72 we're talking about i mean maybe 12 angry men also did this as well but it's one of the first movies where it feels like the barriers between real life and film are like gone and you're just like as the audience you're being placed in a world mm. like you're not watching a story that's fictionalized or like exaggerated playing out on screen no you're you feel like you're immersed and you're there yeah yeah um, and, it, and, it, and it teaches you valuable lessons you know use the gun take the cannoli yes. classic yes. uh do not do not shop uh in a fruit market in broad daylight uh when you are a mob boss uh, I mean, I feel like that should be a given. <laughs> I think, like, like Jacob said, it, the beginning of the film captures this really well. He's the boss; like, yeah. they capture that. Yeah. So he obviously he felt, oh, no one's gonna try to kill me. I mean, I'm, I'm untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, everyone owes me shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, all God, I'm saying uh, is that for, yeah. for a couple of apples, that man almost lost his life. <laughs> you know, I didn't know spoilers for this movie. I'm gonna be real. Uh, the first time I saw that, I thought he died. Um, I was like, "Yo, he was in this for 15 minutes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minutes and won the Oscar. 
Oh yeah, I was, seriously, I thought I thought that too because I didn't I didn't know like he survived that. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like I didn't even know he got shot in the movie. Was a thing. But yeah, Godfather turning fifty. Um, hopefully, we live to see more fifty anniversaries of film. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Except for me. Jeez. Nah, especially you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next topic. Um, the trailer, the one of my highest anticipated trailers of the year, finally came out. Obi Wan uh, finally had his first trailer released. The Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi, uh, for now, miniseries. We'll see if they make more. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy's kind of hinted that they might make more than one season. But for now, it is being advertised <laughs> is being advertised as a miniseries. Um, Ewan McGregor's returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi from the prequel movies. That's uh, right. Jesus Christ is returning, baby. Jeez. Three uh, days have passed. The uh, tomb is empty. <laughs> um, the director of this show is uh, Deborah Cho, who directed some episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the better ones. If I don't remember exactly which ones, I, I'd have to. I'm gonna look them up. I can look. Them I up. can. I, I. I can actually check that real quick. JQ. Um, chapter three: The Sin, in season one, which is where uh, Mando takes Grogu from. Um. Herzog's character, I don't remember the name. And then the penultimate episode of the season, which was really intense. Um, so oh, yeah, oh, this oh. is in good hands. This show's in good hands. And honestly, from the trailer, I think this thing looks masterfully directed. Um, it's one of the better shot things I've seen for Disney+, Plus, if not the best shot thing. I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, the shot composition, the cinematography looks really good in this show. It looks spectacular. And what doesn't look spectacular though, Ruben? What? The Inquisitors! They messed up the Inquisitors, Ruben! The head shape! The head shape, Ruben! <laughs> They're not uh, long! No, They're but not just... long, Ruben! They're small heads, Ruben! <laughs> Generally, this trailer lived up to the hype for me. The music choices, obviously, I think they used Duel of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes uh, from yeah. John Williams' score from the prequels um, to epic effects. Um, they really built out what the show is going to be about, which is these Inquisitors that Vader. Uh, they messed sen- up the <laughs> These Inquisitors that Vader sends to hunt for Obi Wan Kenobi while he's looking after Luke on Tatooine. What I am really interested to see is what kind of arc they'll give Obi Wan. I think you can craft a really interesting arc with this character in this dark time between when he's at his lowest point and how he. I'd regain some of the hope by the time you get to him in A New Hope. Um, I, I know that sounded redundant, but it's true. Um, but I, I think there's some character growth. I think it's a very, very interesting um, character for them to examine um, in Star Wars. Yeah. Way better than grabbing Han Solo, because um, I think that was a mistake. Um, anyway, uh, let's start. Jacob, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the trailer? Jonathan, were you going to say something? Sorry, Jonathan, what were you going to yeah, say yeah. before I, I go to Jacob? I'd like to, I'd like to uh, clarify that my comments on the Inquisitors were simply a joke. Jonathan! Uh, Star Wars fan, <laughs> no, let me finish! Let me finish! Star Wars fans, I'm talking to all of you right now. Listen, listen get closer. Get close, get close to the mic. The mic. The mic. The, mic. the, most... the well, speaker. Speaker. <laughs> I don't care! Find the mic. Get close to it. All right? <laughs> Y'all complain too much. Every time a live, every time 
uh, a cartoon character gets transferred to, 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 to live action. Y'all always gotta complain. Oh, oh, Ahsoka's little head tendrils aren't long enough. Oh, wait, are they, did they actually complain? Yes. Where do you hear this? Where do you? <laughs> no way! No way! No way! You're lying. The heads aren't big enough. Are you kidding? The, the translation from animation to live action has been insanely good. I mean, Ahsoka. Um, Bo Katan, Cad Bane, they all yeah. have looked pretty oh, no, spot on. The, be, the, the, yeah. anyway. the most spot the on one has been Cad Bane. Like, I think that guy Ahsoka's pretty damn close. Yeah, ah, Ahsoka's pretty damn close as well. Anyway, we're not we're not gonna talk about people complaining, all right? We're just gonna Of the of the trailer, okay. yeah, on the show and the trailer. In the trailer, okay. Yeah. I think it's it's very it's like it's very interesting, um, and I'm glad they're exploring this, yeah, uh, because like obviously there's a huge space between the third and fourth movie, you mm -hmm. know, like we see Luke as a child at the end of the third one, and then he's a full ass adult in the fourth one. So like it'd be kind of cool to you know get some connection between the two, more more of a connected yeah, right. uh, tissue, I guess you could kind of say. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so yeah, and I'm I'm glad they they uh, are using you know Obi Wan as that kind of like connection between the two, um, the, between the two uh, like series separate series the prequels and obviously the original series. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see and excited to see what uh, uh Ewan McGregor you know is uh, like able to uh, you know produce kind of like uh, through, through that acting. And um, yeah, I also just think like uh, it's it should be it should be a really good show. I think I think it should be a good show. So yeah, yeah and let's uh, uh, final 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 thoughts for me. Let's also uh, shout out to Joel Edgerton coming back. Oh my god, yeah, and that was shocking to me. I don't know why. Watching that trailer for the first time, I I gasped. I was watching it with a group of friends, and I was like, Joel! And they're like, what? <laughs> no, they got, look, they got lucky that they cast an actor as good as Joel Edgerton at the beginning of his career for that role. So yeah. now they can just stick him back in there. Because he could they're bring like, Oh, we don't have to recast. <laughs> they're like, we don't have to recast this at all. Bring Joel back. Bring bring Joel back in here. Now, now the series um, has had some production troubles. Um Real quick, just to mention, because the story came out a couple days ago as well. Um, they were a Lucasfilm was a little unhappy with the initial scripts for this series because they saw them as way too dark, so they moved them a bit more to be a little more hopeful. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that are. Do you guys think that's going to affect Disney, this series? Disney, Disney, get close. It was Lucasfilm. It's Lucasfilm. It's not Lucasfilm. Get close. Get close. Get closer to the. Okay. Okay. Listen. Listen. The world freaking sucks, dude. Please let people tell stories that can be dark and that can be sad, all right? Not everything that you do has to be, like, happy-go-lucky. Hell, not everything that Star Wars has done has been, like, perfectly light. Like, I mean, just look at the Clone Wars. Just because that shit is animated doesn't mean it isn't <laughs> violent as shit. Someone commits a war crime, like, every other episode. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like come on. And Jacob, any thoughts on that or not really? Well, I mean, I I I like the 
I think I think they have to stick to the darker tone because like it's just like Star Wars. Uh, I mean, the problem with the the sequels is basically that you know they got too involved in the production. You know what I mean? I feel like that was the main issue, and also like the directing, uh, like conflicts between like the eighth and ninth movie, and even like the seventh and eighth movie. Like yeah. there was uh, director conflicts, you know, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. So like, I think they didn't talk to each they other. They didn't talk to each yeah. other. They basically didn't talk to each <laughs> yeah. other. I mean, J.J. Abrams like retconned everything from the eighth movie. And, yeah, and the like Ryan, movie. Got, Ryan Johnson wrote his own script. Like J.J. tried to talk to him. Ryan Johnson ignored him. And then J.J. Abrams obviously got pissed after eight came out. So that he like when Disney comes back to him to have him make the ninth when he just retcons everything. Exactly. He he walked in, he walked out he walked into the eighth movie and it was like wait a minute wait a minute this isn't a Spielberg movie. <laughs> but I, I think it's a larger issue as well. It's not just like this like Disney's not the only like production I think company doing this. I think like you could look look at Warner Brothers and like DC at times they have like, gotten they, better. They have but, gotten but you are better. You're right. like. Um, with uh, like uh, BVS, especially that yes, that is a catastrophe. Honestly, like that was a mess, an absolute mess, and like, and also the Justice League, uh, like having I was about to say, <laughs> Justice League is the bigger mess. Justice League those. is the bigger mess because like you look at the runtime and it, it, like you got we said like in a prior episode like two hours is exactly two hours. Like that just tells you shows you how it comes to show, like it goes to show I should say uh that, like how much the Warner Brothers was involved oh, in the we production. We could do of a full-ass podcast on the production of Justice League and yeah. like how we got to Snyder Cut and all that shit. Justice I mean, it's, it's such Justice an League. insane, ver- like, insane what the heads of the studio were doing just to get a bonus yeah. from a two-hour cut by having more run times. I'm sorry, showtimes in the theater just to get more yeah. money so they could get bonuses before AT&T bought WB at the beginning is, of 2018. This is something that uh, I think Ruben wanted me to talk about in our last episode when it came to the IP conversation, but just like corporate really, really uh, like gets in the way of like actual like true art sometimes. Like, and it's, it's devastating to see because uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, like as skeptical as I was, is one of the like one of the better like CBM uh, that I've seen, yeah, comic book movies that I've seen. Yep. Like, it is insanely like it's insane that something like that came from Zack Snyder. I mean, like there's a lot of things that like are telegraphed in prior movies. Like, oh yeah, he's definitely able to have this range of storytelling. But there's like such beauty in that movie to me. Like, there's a lot of things in that movie that are just baffling just how well they work or how well they understand a character mm-hmm. like um and that was all thrown to the wayside because they wanted it was not even for like the company to get money but like individual bonuses like and these are people who are probably already millionaires really well off yeah. they're, they're millionaires they got yachts and shit and they really they want to line their pockets just a little bit more rather than putting something worthwhile out there so there is kind of especially as someone who is a writer, who is a musician, like, um, like it, it, it's scary to see the way that, like, money can influence, like, creative ideas or money can influence, like, what gets out there. Because if something is too risque or if something is saying something intelligent or something nuanced, but it's not, like, it's not, like, like friendly to consumers, <coughs> Disney, China, uh, uh, like, things are, like, 
likely to get oh cut my out. God. Like that's another thing. We no, no, that's that's the other thing. Like you're you're talking about. So Disney was in the news this week, uh, Bob Chapek, because Florida's trying to pass this, the obnoxious uh, bill that has been dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, I don't know if you. So dumb. It's. I've heard. Yes, I've heard of it. I'm upset. But but then but then um, Disney said, well, Bob Chapek said that Disney wasn't going to take a position on the bill, and that pissed off like a bunch of their. Uh, minority employees and they all spoke out publicly against Disney. So then JPEG came back and took a stance on it. But just, I mean, Disney puts up shit for Pride Month every every year. But when it comes to show, it goes to show like when it comes to dollars and cents, they'll say anything. Um, yeah. You know, and like that that's part of what worries me about the studio system always, and especially as more and more studios like truncate and like merge together um yeah. there's more of an incentive to just do the safe thing or yeah, they appeal to everyone no matter how bigoted their beliefs may be you know i think that that that's the that's the problem i think with with movies and art is that like there's always going to be a group of people that does not like what you're doing um, no matter what you do. And it, like the more that you sanitize your, your, your output and you try to make it relate to a wider group of people or to like both sides of an issue, the more you're going to alienate both sides because both people are going to be like, what are you trying to communicate here? What am I supposed to think about this? Like you have to take a solid stance in the work that you create. You have to accept the fact that you know there are going to be things that you put out there that uh, like a large amount of people might not like or a small amount of people might not like but uh, either way there's no such thing as an art piece that everyone loves even things like the godfather you'll find people who are like ah, i didn't really care for the god and that's totally yeah. fine like i people won't like things and you can't make media that's going to appeal to everyone what you yeah. have to do is you have to allow filmmakers to take risks and tell the stories they want to tell, because that's how we get the best product in the end. Um, and we're going to talk about that more when we review the Batman here in a bit. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, let's get to the yeah. next story here. Uh, so oh, speaking, and, and finally, finally, uh, yeah. uh, before 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 we transition, you said yeah, let uh, artists do what they want to do. You know, let CGI artists perhaps uh, increase the size of uh, say an Inquisitor's head. Uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> If oh. such a thing, such a thing could yeah. be important, you know? No, not really. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Next okay. point. <laughs> um, so, Jacob, you're good. Yeah. yeah you have anything yeah. you want to say? Or? Well, like, I was going to say that, um, you know, uh, obviously, best products, like, best films come yeah. when, like, the, like, whatever, like, production company just gives, like, an investment large enough for that, that creator to do, like, anything. But, like, obviously, you know, there are uh like when that product that the, the final product of the movie comes out and you know um and if, if it doesn't do it doesn't succeed well you know obviously that then that company you know capsizes and all that stuff and then they're you know bankrupt yeah. but like i think like to mediate that maybe like the company should have like almost uh like like a forward investment of a certain amount to creators like you know you know what i'm saying they should have money put aside to allow budgets have gotten insane yeah. for movies yes, they should yeah, have that's the, the mid-budget movie has basically disappeared yeah, yeah. there should be these funds as jacob's exactly. uh, saying basically to allow 
creators to make these smaller but like me, like medium-sized funds because like you don't need a, like a, an action movie with like so so many explosions like and, and all that sh i mean we don't see that shit every day i mean yeah i get like movies are made kind of in a, in a way to like escape the the day the daily like daily life but like i i think there needs to be like movies that just come out that, that are mid-budget yeah and that you know uh give the creator free will to do anything you know what i mean like it's yeah. like people want these CGI extravaganza sometimes, and sometimes it's okay to pull back. I mean, look at Star Wars. Look at Kenobi. Look at the Kenobi trailer. Look how much how many practical effects there are in there. Look at yeah. Book of Bubble Fett. Look at Mandalorian. Look at all of these like um, Disney yeah. Star Wars TV shows. Like a smaller budget or a more restrained budget is not going to hurt you. And I think that the problem with a lot of filmmakers, uh, not filmmakers, uh, companies now is that they are afraid to lose even a cent of money they're they're like they're like they're like guarding their dragon hordes over here like their life depends on it maybe it's okay if a movie bombs like yeah yeah and, the, yeah and what upsets me is like it makes these companies inauthentic so like people will be saying this is an unjust thing and companies will only say shit if they realize it'll affect their bottom line it's yeah. not to yeah. actually make a a stand it's only when it affects their bottom yep, line yeah yeah um, they're but, they're unwilling to take risks is a, is the is like the main thing that like i want to say is like production companies are unwilling to take risk they're unwilling to like lose money yeah you know even though that they could probably easily gain it back you know by, with one great film yes you know so anyway and there's yeah. ways of circumventing the studio system um chris stuckman or like the youtuber that we've all watched the movie reviews for um he has a kickstarter right now for his horror movie because he couldn't get funding the traditional way through the studio system and his kickstarter is doing really well so he's going to be able to make the movie he wants to make so i i, I hope he's not completely gone even though the studio system i feel has kind of gone to shit um, there's still ways for people to get these the money to make the films they want to make. It's never been too great. It's never been great, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's a little just because of streaming. I think what goes theatrical is just the big blockbuster that's safe yeah. most yeah. times yep. now. Yeah. Um, In the earlier days of Hollywood, it was definitely advantageous because it, it it was a way to get like it was a way to get like a lot of these. It was a way to get films on like a bigger screen. It, it, it screen. It was a way to move it from like the Nickelodeons and like the sideshows to like these bigger things. Like you have people who have ideas and they're like, okay, you have an idea. We'll give you money. We'll fund it. We'll get you there. Like, yeah, it was still business. It was still like, it, it, it was still like, okay, will this make us money or whatnot? But like, as time has gone on, we've become kind of stingier, I think, about what we allow to go on the big screen and what we allow to be created and what we allow to be said because if we say so and so in a movie it won't make the money back or whatnot or we can we won't get that we won't get the chinese market because too many gay characters or something like that like it's stupid yeah. oh they'll put like one little scene so they're able to cut it out in like the chinese yeah. and the russian markets uh, although yeah. it's not much of a film market anymore um for uh, for, <laughs> for obvious, obvious reasons obvious that we're not going to get into yeah. uh hashtag uh, vladimir putin um but yeah. uh here we go um we've still okay any final points before we move on guys no we should keep moving we definitely yeah. sidetracked yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it was a good discussion it was a good i'm discussion, glad we though. had yeah. it yeah. okay so next story um 
so DC, uh, speaking of Warner Brothers, as we were talking about earlier, um, so the Batman came out, big hit. Uh, we're going to talk about what we thought about the movie in general. But a couple days later, uh, DC announced that their entire slate was delayed. Um, all the movies that were coming out this year got moved. Um, so their animated Super Pets movie, which I think we care the least about out of all of these, moved from <laughs> May to July of this year. Um, Black Adam moved from July to October. Uh, Flash was supposed to come out in November, and they delayed that one all the way to June of 2023. Aquaman that was supposed to I think it might be good, personally. But I think not we have be good. I think Andy Muschietti is a, a good director, JQ. I th- it's I have been hope. delayed too many times. We just talked <laughs> about the studio system messing with good directors. Out but Warner Brothers not- is the one studio I feel that's still taking risks. Not with DC. Yes, they are. The Suicide Squad was a risk. It didn't pay off financially. It was a risky film to make. This yeah, Batman so. film is a three-hour noir movie. Who the hell like would greenlight that in this day and age besides Warner Brothers? No one else. Maybe Universal. Universal is the only other studio I could see taking a risk. Dark like Universe. Haha. Ha. Um, <laughs> so Flash got delayed from November to June of 2023. Aquaman was supposed to go up directly against Avatar. Um, they said no effing way. Moved that one to March of 2023. Um, then they did a uh, surprising move. They moved Shazam up from June of 2023 and actually put that up against Avatar 2. Because um, they they stupid, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the first, the first Shazam went up against Endgame, if you remember. So I, I don't know what the hell Warner Brothers thinks with this franchise. I guess they're like, yeah, this will do it. Get in there. Although, in there. although Shazam came out like two weeks before Endgame. Shazam 2 is coming out the same day as James Cameron's Avatar 2. Yeah, guess who doesn't give a shit about Avatar 2? This guy! I mean, we, all of us. All of us. I mean, none of us watch the original in theaters. I don't think anyone gives a shit about Like, I'm sure there are still going to be people who I, want to watch it. But like, I, I think I think film uh, Twitter in general is over Avatar. I want to wait to see for the first trailer to come out to see if everyone else is over Avatar, like the general public, if they're actually into it or not. That's going to be the real barometer about how this movie's going to do. Twelve years. It has been. He's done no other. He's directed no other films. A guy of James Cameron's talent. So this thing better be. Amazing. The technology better be yeah, amazing because that's Cameron the only thing it's going to bring. He hasn't directed a film. He's been. A- He's been lauding this this non-existent movie for so long. He's like, oh yeah, Wonder Woman was really good. But y'all remember Sarah Connors? I'm so good at making female characters. Yeah, the underwater effects in Aquaman, great. But in Avatar 2, they're going to be fast. See, that would have been interesting if... If Avatar Avatar 2 would have stuck on the same day... Just seeing the difference in the underwater effects would have been interesting. And I wonder if that's maybe what that's scared what, DC off. I, I was about to say, maybe that's what happened. They caught a glimpse. <laughs> someone, like, snuck into, snuck into James Cameron's uh, bungalow or whatever. And they saw, like, a, an underwater scene. And they're like, holy shit. We cannot, we can't go up against it. But, like, god damn it, dude. I don't, I don't get it. Also, DC really... After releasing 2022 Needs Heroes, you're going to move everything away? I think that's the worst thing they did. I, I feel like their marketing department's still out of sync. Because um, they released that thing, I think, Super Bowl Sunday. And then 
I think yeah. three weeks later, four weeks later, they're delaying everything, the entire slate. Um, the rumor is it's because VFX work has been backlogged because of the pandemic. Um, so that's what's going on there. Um, so if it makes the films look better, I'm all for it, if that's yeah. the issue. Um, but, you know... Again, they saw James Cameron's underwater effects, and they were like, shit, we gotta dust all of these off right <laughs> effing now. <laughs> but we're still getting Black Adam this year, which I'm curious about just based on... Not even Black Adam himself, but the rest of the characters they have in it. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate, um, Hawkman, I can't remember who's playing Hawkman. Um, and then, ugh, I can't remember, but they're, they're, they have like a Justice Society there. And then uh, Shazam 2. They have, they have Shazam Adam, 2. don't they? Yeah, I think that the Adam. They have the Adam in there as well. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. In, in, in uh, the, Black Adam movie. The Black Adam movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, my concern there um he better not just be dwayne johnson playing himself as another character yeah, yeah. like this character needs to have complexity Nuance. he needs to be yeah. closer to gray than white with issues you know well i mean like a white character with issues <laughs> like morally white morally white morally morally white morally what did you mean by that like no, like morally jq what did you mean by that I meant a character that only does good, Jonathan. That's what I mean by moral. Because like, oh, also only a white character can do good. I see. I see how it is. Okay, Ruben. Yeah, give me shit. Give me shit. Jacob, <laughs> uh, your thoughts on DC's delaying their slate? I mean, I don't know if there's um, much well, to say. Well, you see, I haven't been really hyped for any DC movies <laughs> in a long time. So, <laughs> I think... I think I can wait. <laughs> you were looking forward to Black Adam. Get the hell out of here. You're I'm lying. Just, I'm most You're bummed. Lying. I am most bummed for Flash. I'm going to be real. I am. Yeah, bummed. yeah. I am very curious for Flash. I, I want to see what they're doing with the DC. I think you... that anyone who is excited for that movie is a dumbass. Shut up. Why? Do you think it's going to be bad automatically? I don't think. No, I don't think it's automatically going to be bad. I think that the studio has their grimy little fingers in it so badly that Jesus. it's. Why? Because this is a relaunch to the DCU, so they like, have to get to it right. Yeah, they're like, oh, God, we have to erase everything. We have to hit every mark perfectly. What is Marvel doing? How did they do it? We have to. What is the audience like? Can we focus group this, this plot point, please? <laughs> Thanks. Mm. Uh, man well a little more of a wait for some of these films some of them we'll still see this year flash got delayed till kingdom come but um yeah all right and our be good and uh, our final news story uh speaking of aquaman uh jason momoa has joined the fast and furious franchise as the main villain of the 10th film and that's all we have to say about that now to the main <laughs> <laughs> JQ hasn't watched the last few Fast and Furious movies. I haven't watched JQ, the last will movie. Jason Momoa joining the cast win you over? No. <laughs> it doesn't win me over. Man, man, if they want me to come back to those movies, Jason better come out of that come 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 out of that screen and give me a kiss. Let's be okay. <laughs> it better be a 5D experience. You better, you better, you better be there. Although I, man, hold my hand tenderly, look me in the eyes, and tell me everything's gonna be okay. That's the only way I'm going back to see Fast Ten Your Depot. 
Oh my. The movie have gone off the ra- Paul Walker was really the unsung hero of these things holding it together. They they have gone off the rails even more so now in the ninth film without Dwayne Johnson cuz Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson hate each other uh and Vin Diesel trying to guilt guilt Dwayne Johnson into coming back. <laughs> yeah, using Paul Walker's death still. And did his we kids. Ever talk about that on the podcast? No, we, we did not. Did. We can talk about it now, it's, though. Real it's quick. horrible. It's awful. It's so bad. He was like, he was like Dwayne, you look, you look a father to my children. You gonna, you understand? You're like an uncle. You, don't, Paul, would have loved you to be there. It's like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? That and was hot. So essentially, yeah, Vin Diesel was like publicly through Twitter saying all these things trying to like guilt tip Dwayne the Rock Johnson into coming back and he did it in public so that people because I'm pretty sure he expected people to be like yeah come on Dwayne but Dwayne was like are you out of your goddamn <laughs> mind did you really just bring Paul Walker into this dude what is wrong with you it's like this is all Vin Diesel has left all right that's the problem <laughs> now, they, they, now they're doing a two part finale to wrap Whoa. it up Nah, I'm kidding. There's, oh, there's a spin-off. There'll be spin-offs to this thing until it bombs. Yeah. It'll, it'll be like Transformers. One, they said one last ride back in Fast Five. Uh-oh. <laughs> nah, know, nah, nah. Fast you know Seven, Fast moving? Seven. You know what, what's next in this series? Ruben? What? Fast Kids. That's oh, what... Jacob, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, Jacob, I have some bad news for you. Yo, what? <laughs> have you been on Netflix recently? You're kidding! <laughs> oh, the animated show no! that we watched, remember? <laughs> no! Like, because we got bored. Oh, yeah, God. they did do that. No! Oh, it's like God. Cap Coral? Is See, like Netflix, Cap Netflix's animation output, uh, for the most part, has been bad in the past. But they've had a I've couple... It's been horrendous. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, we Let me get some things out of here. Boss Baby back in business. Garbage. All hail King Julian. <laughs> Trash. Oh, and then the, the uh, Boss Baby spinoff show. The, the Boss Baby spinoff show that's coming out um, on Netflix. Um, the plot of it, JQ, is the boss. The boss. No, 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 we are not talking about the plot of this. We are not. No, I don't. The Boss Baby is accused of embezzlement. Oh my god. <laughs> Worst thing ever made. Alright? Garbage. Fast kids. Dookie. Alright? <laughs> we can go we can go on and on about all the shit. The push and boot spin off. Garbage. Alright? All the Garbage. <laughs> Yes, I had no confidence in the show that we're about to talk about. However, they have turned the corner recently. Arcane, which we haven't watched yet, is really acclaimed. Um, People are talking that it, people are saying it's really good. For you League of Legends fans living in your mother's basements. Jacob, 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 that brings me to something. Anytime, this is a rule. I saw it. I saw it. Uh, the uh, uh, SEC released this. Anytime that you talk about our camera, we have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> our kind audience, <laughs> if you are interested in watching Arcane and you enjoy it, remember that is no excuse to throw your life away and go ahead and play. <laughs> you have people who care about you, about family, about friends. Do not go down that path. All right. 
do not do it. <laughs> do crack. I don't care. Do hard drugs. Do okay. No, no, no. You're acting like you're acting like a week of legends is the worst addiction you can get. It's not. It's not about the addiction, Ruben. It's about the way it destroys you as a person, fundamentally. All right, but moving on to the main topic of uh, what we're one of the first main topics. Well, the first of two main topics. Um, speaking of Netflix animation, uh, they have another hit on their hands, in my opinion. Yes. So if you're looking for fun in a batch of heebie-jeebies, yes. Welcome to the Cuphead show. Exactly. There you go. You see, I'm, 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 I'm welcome I'm to the Cuphead show. So Cuphead, the Cuphead show is based off of the game Cuphead. Uh, by the studio MDHR yes. um, from 2017, um, which the I game hear- that has been kicking Jacob and mine's ass. For I was gonna five say, years. I hear it's one of the hardest games ever made. Um, a gr- but I hear it's one who of the best running that, guns ever made. Who said that? Who said that? That person probably played like one game. <laughs> probably read the credit review of the guy who got stuck on the tutorial. <laughs> that guy played Nintendo and he turned that yeah. body like. I'm not taking care of dog and puppies yeah, in this one. What the frick? Why is this so th- I mean, yes, is it hard? Yes. This sounds yeah. like a this, this sounds like the type of guy that like downloaded Bejeweled 2 and like thought it was a <laughs> thought it was too tough of a game. And then like <laughs> it so, made me <laughs> So if you've never uh, seen footage from the Cuphead game, the entire aesthetic of it is a 1930s cartoon. That's what they were rubber trying to hose. capture. Yeah, rubber the hose. rubber hose. The rubber hose animation, especially, is what they were trying to capture. Um, and they actually animated uh, stuff by hand. They colored it digitally yes. afterwards, yeah. but they animated it by hand. Hand drawn. Hand drawn. Yeah. But then, yeah. And I think it's and like it's every show. Is it every frame, or do they, do they skip they, frames? No, they animated. So what they did is they, they actually animated everything by hand but then they yeah. use digital coloring to actually speed up the process of no, no, it yeah, yeah yeah no but like there's this technique where like you you have the same frame frame twice in animation you know what i'm saying like to like like simulate motion but like it's like more i don't know it's less fluid it's more like rigid that i do not know okay you don't I, know i, I do not know for sure I was about to say in rubber in the rubber hose technique. I don't think they do that. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the I think the brothers like they actually animated. Yeah, that's what I think they did. Like yeah. every like they didn't have uh like uh two frame shots. They had only one frame shots in the yes, entire game. Yeah. yeah. So every so it was a painstaking process, but it was worth it. If you it was see- worth it. Game became a hit. They got lucky because they took out two mortgages on their houses. If that game would have flopped, Jesus. those guys would have been financially ruined. But that's why, you know, I don't mind these guys venturing into selling their product to Netflix to make into an anime show. And luckily it was good. Uh, the show was developed by a, a man named Dave Lawson. Um, apparently he's the creator of Cartoon Network's uh, Time Squad. Um show came out a couple weeks ago um so keeping with the 1930s animation style um what cuphead the cuphead show is it's 12 minute animation segments that really throw back to the older looney tunes uh, disney cartoons um some tom and jerry but it really has that old and old school animation vibe um with like the physical violence of it as well um the non well there's some serialization in the storytelling but it's really like standalone adventures between cuphead and his brother mugman um 
what I really love about this show is all the every single character that's like on the periphery of Cuphead and Mugman has their own unique personality um, that adds to the humor of the show and really like makes each episode unique because it's not like every single one of the characters they're encountering um, has the same humor style. Like Elder Kettle, who was their guardian, has a very distinct humor style um, from King Dice, who shows up in one of the episodes played by Blaine Brady. Um, Sadly, only one episode. Only one I want episode, more! <laughs> which we will probably get because they're still they still have to release another twenty four episodes. I think they have completed this show. Um, I think the next set of episodes comes out this summer, actually. Um, but I really appreciated also how Cuphead and Bugman had very distinct personalities from one each one another, and the writing was clever enough to have those personalities play off each other. Um, the devil is actually hilarious in this, um, kind of like a Squidward, Heinz Doofenshmirtz type mold, at least if I'm using characters from my uh, childhood. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's see. Jonathan, uh, what are your thoughts on Cuphead? I, I am first and foremost impressed with how much uh, of the rubber hose style they've, they're able to like emulate through what I assume is flash animation because that was my main concern when watching the commercials for this I'm like wow they really they were they're not getting they're not going with the rubber hose uh of like style they're not gonna try to make this look like an older cartoon they're using modern technology it looks kind of stilted but like it's actually very well done I think they've done an amazing job of recreating like Agley's like the spirit of this in a new, more modern context. Like Ruben said, we also have a lot of references to older cartoons that I really loved, like uh, Skeleton Dance, uh, Bimbo the Dog, Snow White, Mickey Mouse, uh, Lonesome, Lonesome Ghosts. Um, King Dice is based off of um, Cab Calloway, who is this um, old jazz singer, but whose likeness was used a lot for like older cartoons. If you guys have seen the St. James Infirmary Blues uh, animation from Felix the Cat. No, no, that was also that was also Bimbo the Dog. But like, there are so many like there is an intimate knowledge and in, like a, like an intimate admiration for this older like age of animation that is just so admirable and that like just breathes through this show. It's not just like a quick cash grab, which is what I thought it was going to be. There's heart to it. There is amazing voice acting. There is. Um, very it, it was like ruben oh, said yeah. it was actually for me surprisingly hilarious like i didn't think i was gonna find it as funny as it ended up being but like honestly um like i is like like is it one of the greatest things i've ever seen like i wouldn't go as far to say nah. anything even close to that like it's a fun time but like sometimes that's all you need you know just like a a little fun time but especially in the times know. we're living in i mean having yeah. a little show like this that throws back the old school animation but have its own unique twist on it um it's just fun to like sometimes turn off your brain and watch something fun rather yeah. than watching something I, heavier and i was gonna say also as a create like from the creative standpoint of this like as a creative myself like what i would say is that it, it came it, i watched the show at a very kind of like important point of my semester because I was very creatively exhausted. There's like a lot of writing and a lot of music making that I was having to do. I had had several concerts and recitals and I had 
had to write like several short stories and I was trying to work more on like the novel that I'm working on right now. And like that gets so exhausting. So sometimes it's nice to sit down and see other people's work and eat like, and see how other people are handling things. And it's okay, especially when you're trying to do what I do and deal with like these big weighty topics. It's kind of nice to see something simpler going the distance and like, like being amazing like yeah it's okay you can make a range of different work not everything has to be a magnum opus or not everything has to be not everything has to delve into the deeper themes that i would want obi-wan kenobi to deal with uh lucas films but like it's okay to be light it's okay to to find levity uh every every once in a while there's just something very valuable about having something like cuphead or like for me, there's another show like that, which is the, the Ghost and Molly McGee. Very different vibe from Cuphead, mm-hmm. but like just these shows that are like simple, they're charming. They don't try to go too weighty. Like that's it's perfectly fine. Honestly, there's a lot to admire about that. And again, I said it already, but the voice actors, seriously, seriously talented. Like the voice cast for this thing is is, is amazing. I was I was really loving it. Like I said, I really. Want more King Dice, especially. Want more Wayne, Wayne Brady in this. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Real quickly to give some uh, some of those cast members, so we give them actual credit before. Yeah. Uh, we throw it to Jacob. Uh, True, True Valentino. True Valentino played Cuphead. Uh, Frank Todaro played uh, Mugman. Uh, Gray Griffin played Miss Chalice. Uh, Johanna played Elder Kettle. Uh, Lou Luke uh, Mil- Milton uh, Drake played the Devil. And Wayne Brady played King Dice, and there's a bunch of other cast members that come in here for bit parts. In, well, not bit parts, but like main parts in like certain episodes. And it's too long to list everyone, but just to give those people in particular a shout out. Uh, Jacob, yeah. your thoughts on the so show? I'm not gonna talk too much because I think Jonathan, you know, said a lot uh, already. So, <laughs> um, uh, no offense, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> <Bruh>. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All offense taken. <laughs> You think you could just say no offense and I won't get the hell out of here? I'm, I'm I, I, I thought that's how it worked. I'm out of here. Is that not how it works? Okay, anyway. I I, I really enjoyed the show mm-hmm. uh, more than I was expecting to, honestly. I think that's I think all three of us kind of uh, went in with low expectations for the show. Yeah. But obviously we wanted we had like like a deep desire for, for it to like succeed, obviously. At least me and Jonathan. Jonathan and I. You know, yeah. we, we, we wanted that the show to be good or to have some some uh you know i was more curious about it than anything just because i've seen you guys play cuphead i haven't played it but the animation always like stood out to me and the characters did and the the trailer for this one really won me over the love that went into creating the game itself Mm -hmm. is like is like it's it's undescribable and like honestly like it's hard to put into words because like i mean you can't really because like they it's it was like it's persistence and determination of those two brothers that made that that game in the first like they the, put a bit of their soul in it. They put the yeah exactly <laughs> like <laughs> literally they put they put their their soul into it and I mean I mean yeah obviously uh you know that's what the game deals with is uh, Mugman and Cuphead like uh giving their soul to the devil right or, yeah. or like for you know in order to get something else I think it was like. I, I can't remember what the plot of what it what it what it was is that the they they kind of like lost their souls in a bet, but in order to keep them, um, they basically go around the aisles and they end up collecting souls for the devil. Okay, so 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the show's plot, the the little plot they have, the little serialization is Cuphead loses. It's lit. It's a little different from the game. He still loses his soul in a game to the devil, but the show is basically Cuphead uh, just going through a bunch of misadventures trying to prevent the devil from collecting his mm-hmm. soul. Yeah. Um, which I think I think and I'm gonna let Jim continue, but I, I yep. kind of want to say this as as something. Oh yeah, continue. Play off of here. Yeah, no, because like I personally really liked how they took assets from the games, like characters, yeah. and, like moments from it, and worked it in a new way into the show itself. You know. But Jacob, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. They, I I also really enjoyed how they did that as as well. I mean, there was a few like flops, I think, in my opinion, in the show, like mm. especially like the vegetables. I didn't think like they were portrayed uh, in the yeah. best way. I think they they could have done something that, maybe yeah. a little different. But like, uh, like obviously, I I I love the attempts to like include uh, references of the game in the show. Uh, there's a lot of love. Uh, that I mean, the show the show, uh, the show shows a lot of respect to uh the game itself i mean in the way it was animated and even like to the the old like it shows respect to the old animation style even though it's i think it's flash animation as you guys said but it's just like i i i think that they gave it they gave uh the show idea like to the right people and um they were able to make a good product in the end so I'm excited to see what they do season two. I think it got renewed. So, yeah. Yeah. So this was a bit of a dick move to the animators, but what they did is they produced 36 episodes and then they paid them just as that one season, 36 episodes. And then Netflix uh, divided that into three separate seasons. So they have that. And the animators technically only, only got payment for one season of television. So that part was dickage, but that does mean there's, uh, 24 more episodes for sure coming out of this thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for fun, <laughs> in the case of the heebie-jeebies, uh, the Cuphead... The dash! I already made that joke! In a dash of the heebie-jeebies, uh, I would recommend checking out the Cuphead show. It's a very entertaining time. Um, it's a less stressful watch than some of the other shows that are out there right now. Uh, Euphoria, for example. Uh, <laughs> so if you're looking for something... Of Euphoria on this podcast. Man, I haven't watched it. I just know it, it's rough. It's a rough watch, yeah. from what I've heard. But if you're looking for something that's a little more fun, um, more entertaining, hell, it's family friendly as well, if that's your thing. Um, watch Family Guy. Watch, no, watch the Cuphead show. Yeah, right. And now moving on <laughs> to. Seth McFarlane paid me, promised me 30000 if I plugged it, and you, you destroyed my chance. Ruben, that would have been our first sponsor, Ruben. Oh, that's that's disappointing. Damn. I don't think I want Seth MacFarlane's sponsorship. Stop! The second main Stop. topic. Um, the, my most anticipated film of this year, and I think for all of us, actually, it was the same thing, right? Was this your guys' most anticipated film this year? Yep. Jacob, was it yours as well? Yeah. yeah. So all of our most anticipated film of the year uh, just released, uh, Matt Reeves' The Batman, um, which I had the highest expectations for, for since that first fandom trailer um, from October 2020. I mean, my hype was through the roof for this thing. And every single trailer just kept building more anticipation because the tone they were going for, 
the type of Batman story they were telling, which is like a detective noir story, which really hasn't been done in film yet. Uh, we've had more of the comic booky Batman through um, Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, we've had the 1960s throwback through Joel Schumacher. We've had more of the grounded psychological realism of the Nolan films. Uh, we've had Zack Snyder's take on, uh, on <laughs> Batman, which I guess takes some elements of the Dark Knight Returns, but I still, I will say, I mean, just real quick, uh, Zack Snyder, I will forever say I don't think he understands the character of Batman. Ben Affleck was really good as the character, though, so a little disappointed in losing him there. Um, but we have now the latest iteration of Batman, his first solo movie in 10 years almost, basically. Uh, four months four months shy of the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight Rises coming out. Uh, we have the Batman. Um, Robert Pattinson plays Batman. And the basic premise of this film is it's a complete reboot. It's his own standalone universe, but it's Batman on the trail of a serial killer that goes by the Riddler, and he's just trying to use his detective skills. Um, and along with Jim Gordon, he's trying to solve um, these murders that the Riddler is committing and trying to catch him and get ahead of him because the Riddler just seems to be ahead of him every step of the way. Um, and we're looking real, at a younger Batman here, like literally just two years into Year two, time. year two Batman, yeah. 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 Um, quick, quick little spoiler-free blurb I will give, and I'll ask each of you to give that before we dive into full spoilers, um, just so everyone who wants to watch it but hasn't seen it yet can get our perceptions of it. I think this is the best uh, Batman movie ever made. It's not the best film containing Batman ever made. Um, there's a distinction there I want to make. Um, I think The Dark Knight's still the superior film, but that's as I told Jonathan, I think through text after watching the movie, the Dark Knight's basically um, psychology, philosophy, not psychology, philosophy um, that happens to contain the characters of the Joker and Batman and basically them exploring uh, philosophical ideas. While the Batman is a fully realized uh, Batman arc. I, I say Batman, not Bruce Wayne, because some people have a problem with that, but this is full on Batman. He's Batman through and through the entire film. Um, and it's just a well-crafted arc. Matt Reeves really gets this character and what makes him tick. Um, Gotham City is a absolute character in this film. It's not just uh, Chicago masquerading as Gotham City. Which um, we haven't gotten since, like, basically Tim Burton. Tim Burton. I'd say Tim Burton. Joel Schumacher did also a bit. It was more fantastical, but it was... It was, it was, it was Gotham did all characters. It did. It did. It was his own. It was his own distinct city. I gotta yeah. give credit where credit's due. Everyone, even <laughs> though that film is terrible, Batman and Robin, the production design um, for some of it actually looks decent. I mean, I feel like that's the best thing I could say about that film. Well, Every, but how did you say that and not laugh? Everything else is terrible. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, getting back to it, um, Zoe Kravitz, greatest Catwoman, and capturing the most emotionally complex Catwoman I think we've ever gotten in film. Um, Paul Dano's Riddler finally bringing the more serious uh, version of that character to the screen and I really like uh, the grounded take they did with him, we can get into more detail in a bit, um, and then uh, Colin Farrell, unrecognizable as Penguin um, it's a little campy, it's a little campy um, he's the, obviously the humor um, in this film, but he really captured what they asked him to do really well, Yeah. 
Um, Turtle, great as well as Carmine Falcone. Um, Jeffrey Wright, a uh, really good balance with uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. Uh, really like the buddy cop angle they played there. But overall, um, this film really was able to tell a great standalone Batman story. I don't think it dragged at all. Some people complain about that. I think the three hours flew by, in my opinion, even more so than Endgame, which I watched yep. three years ago and I also loved. But I feel like Endgame and Spots would drag. I feel like this one um, kept me engaged completely from beginning to end for the entire uh, three-hour runtime. Um, uh, Jacob, I'll go to you first. What do you think? Uh, just real quick, spoiler-free thoughts on the Batman before we get into yes, a spoiler um, discussion. So... Uh... Okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna make a joke, but yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna make a joke. <laughs> right. I was gonna make like a, a spoiler joke, but <laughs> yeah, you can make it. No, no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. Later. Back I'll, to you, yeah. I'll, I'll make it later. Do it later. We'll do it live. Anyway, the I, I think yeah, this movie, um, completely different. Com- uh, absolutely different from the other Batman movies that have come out. Um, it's it's a completely like different tone and like the pacing is different, but like not to say that it's slow or anything like yeah. that. I think it's a it's slower pace than like the other films, obviously with the three hour runtime. Yeah, but uh, I think like what it does in those three hours is is like incredible. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it's not it's not like they waste the time. Like right. it doesn't feel like like Snyder's four hour <laughs> Justice League where like some of the shots obviously could have been cut out of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, there's no the... fat on the movie. Yeah, there's not really like fat or like like anything that you really need to like excise from the from the um the final uh the three hour movie. I, I think like that and just like uh the way that they I think like other movies in the past, like Batman movies, haven't like really been able to have Gotham as like a full character and maybe like some of Christopher Nolan's movies were able to do that but like Gotham felt like a like an actual yeah. like separate kind of like entity yes. in this movie it like you know it was like overcasted like on the entire like like uh, all the all the events that occur in the movie uh, it was like an overcast it kind of It felt like a setting where stuff had already happened and yep. stuff will continue to happen and you're just being inserted in this one point exactly, in time. Yeah. It felt like a living breathing yep, thing. Yep. Yeah. And I I think that also makes like the detective uh part of Batman which we see in this movie uh like a little more, like obviously not realistic like not fully realistic mm-hmm. but I think it makes it more like relatable kind of. Yes, yeah. And so um yeah, uh like this movie successfully, I think, like, kind of like inserts you in uh, a dark yet a realistic atmosphere. Um, one where like this Batman seems like it, it's like it, it seems so. I guess like re- like the character of Batman in this movie and Bruce Wayne is like so like real. I feel like in, in this in this interpretation yes. of him because like. You know he's dealing with his parents' loss. You know he's his second year of Batman as Batman. Like he's he's obviously like still angry and dealing with that uh, emotional tor- turmoil. But like he, uh, like he's he's not a he's not a perfect uh, hero, obviously. Yes, and I, I think yeah, that correct. this movie this movie captures that in, in like perfectly. Like it's just like he's not he's not perfect. He's flawed. He's a flawed hero. He's a flawed character. Yet he's doing he's trying to do good. He's trying to you know do the best he can. And uh, yeah. That's what I will say. All right, uh, JQ, your quick uh, spoiler-free thoughts before we get into spoilers for this movie. This 
feels like an Arkham game slash, like, as Ruben, Ruben said this to me too, an animated series episode brought to life. Uh, Arkham, not so much because of the action, because, I mean, the action when it's there is hard-hitting, and it's well-filmed, and it's beautifully choreographed, but that's not what this movie is about at all, and I didn't expect it to be, and I'm very happy that it wasn't, because the main focus is on that detective work, is on that slow character building, is on, like, the moment-to-moment discovery of what's going on. It's about revelation and characters playing off one another, and, like, the cast in this movie was phenomenal in doing that. We cannot sing their praises enough. This has got to be my favorite interpretation of, of of Batman by an actor so far. Like the range of emotion that Pattinson is able to convey while he's under the cowl, which is like for the majority of the movie that you like, it, like for the majority of the movie, he's Batman. Like literally, yeah, it's crazy. We really do need to harp on this point real quick. It, it's insane that Robert Pattinson was willing to do this. Like in most studio superhero movies, the actors will want that FaceTime um, yeah. without the mask on. And he really doesn't get that in this movie much. I think only Ryan Reynolds is the only other actor with the Deadpool movies who actually is willing to wear that mask for extended periods of time. But I feel like it really built the character out for this movie. Uh, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, but like, it's like, Good point. I, I, Christian Bale might be one of the greatest actors of, of our last generation, of the last few decades. I feel like, Pat, like Pattinson just understands this character and captures this character to a deeper degree. And it's insane. Like, oh my God. Also, I've wanted a Riddler like this for forever. No. Something that's bordering on like Jigsaw Killer with the way that he's like setting up traps and he's like leaving like little breadcrumbs here and there. It feels like like yeah, it feels like a mix of like Jigsaw and like in like fantasy and Zodiac in real life, where he's like leaving these little hints for the for the cops. He's leaving code. He's leaving like all of these like important things behind. It's just so well realized and this like we said this gotham just lives and breathes and it's beautiful you know it's its own thing it's its own city it has it has its own character like there i cannot stop singing the praises of this movie several people have said it ruben has said it here and like you'll hear it everywhere like if you go on letterbox if you go on youtube cosmonaut would say i think chris stuckman said it i think jeremy john said it. like everyone says that this is like the best movie like the best batman movie but the dark knight is still like the better movie but there's like so much happening here matt reeve mm-hmm. is just flexing on everyone there is not an ounce of fat on this movie <laughs> a three hour runtime and i know people i didn't know people were saying it dragged for me it yeah, never dragged yeah that thing was going the entire time there is not a scene that you can cut out not like a moment that you can be like eh. like everything is just so well crafted and so masterfully like connected and like god photography. Yeah. Uh, also, because I can talk about this now because I probably won't be able to talk about it as extensively when we get to spoilers. The soundtrack, baby! <laughs> oh my god! Michael Giacchino is unstoppable. At this point, he has to be up there with the greats, alright? You can have Incredibles, Up, Star Trek, MCU movie, Spider-Man, Ratatouille, this now. Like, he's done so many amazing soundtracks 
And like, this is just another one to add to the belt. I've never seen, uh, I've yet to see a composer cover, cover like this level of, 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 of emotional dynamic for, for someone like Batman. Like it, it's not just dark and foreboding, like, like Zimmer's theme or like, like all heroic, like Danny Elfman's themes. There are high points, there are low points, there are moments of like heroism. There are moments of darkness and shadow. There are moments of hope. There's so much conveyed through it. And like the way that it's utilized in the film is masterfully done. This is when, when, when musicians like me talk about how a film soundtrack should work, this is like a very good example of it. Uh, and I'm surprised, I was talking to Ruben about this before, that I've never brought this up on the podcast. There is this concept where you want music, you want the soundtrack to be almost like an omniscient narrator. You want it to communicate things to the audience before they happen on screen in a very subtle way. And there are several moments in this movie where you'll jump from one motif to the next and they'll introduce an old theme or they introduce an old melody. And there are layers of the story being communicated through the music alone, being added to the movie through the music alone. The music is not just an add-on. It lives and breathes with the movie. It acts as, as something that reflects how the characters feel, that reflects the arc of the story, that reflects the sense of danger. There is so much, like, just beauty in the score of this yeah. movie. Like, I cannot emphasize it enough. Like, this is probably, I think personally, like, like my, my favorite Batman score, honestly. Um, that's just me though. I that, like all respects to Elfman and Zimmer and, and Junkie too. Hell, can't I, forget him. Yeah. I saw this comment on, uh, I think, I think it was Twitter, but I think it's spot on. I don't think there's ever been a bad Batman theme on film. No, like no, there hasn't. There it hasn't feels like everyone good. always comes to play when it's Batman. It's cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a big care. It's like a character that is he's so big at this point like that's something he's, i realized while watching this movie he's a massive character it's him and like, spider-man at this yep. point i think superman at one point was up there with them but i feel like he's fallen a bit in popularity in recent years unfortunately but i think it's those two yeah and I, movie, it's, yeah yeah this is a movie that understands batman unlike any live action movie has understood him before uh this is something that it feels it, it does feel like I said, like Arkham, like like the animated series, there is a definitive kind of feeling about this. There is like a borderline Kevin Conroy Batman kind of feel to this, where it's like there's humanity to this Batman. There is foreboding to this Batman, but there is humanity. There's brokenness. There's pain. But there is this willingness to be a hero. There's so much there. But I mean, like, that's my spoiler-free, I guess, conversation. There's right. like... God damn, there's so much to talk yeah, about, and we are running out of time, but let's yes. go. Yeah. We will go through some of the highlights of the film uh, real quick. So, real quick, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched the film, go watch it now. You if, don't you, if, you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the film yet, uh, look at, okay, here's what you're going to do. Okay, so you, so open your fingers kind of like Spock, all right? You know, like the Vulcan, Vulcan, uh, <laughs> Vulcan Okay, yes. Now put a pencil between your, oh, shoot. Put a pencil between your two fingers and squeeze really hard. Now, if you're doing this, if you're following along at, her, at home, you will notice that this hurts like shit. That's how you should feel if you haven't seen this movie yet. <laughs> yep, take JQ's advice. It's you deserve this. <laughs> not about the pen, but watching the movie. Um, it is the best movie I've seen in years, quite honestly. I think it's my favorite film since 
Spider-Verse probably in 2018. So get out and watch it. All right. So we'll go through some highlights and you guys jump in as I go through this stuff. Um, I won't call on each of you. Just jump in and make your points. Um, So the opening 20 minutes of this movie, the introduction to Batman is, I think, one of the best introductions in the superhero movie ever for a character. The way they build the atmosphere of Gotham, as Jacob was highlighting earlier, how Gotham feels like a character. You really feel it in this opening sequence when you see all the crime being committed, uh, the criminals running around, running loose. Gotham's always a crime like haven. Um, but then that signal lights up the sky and immediately everyone gets, a, gets scared and Robert Pattinson's narration is going on through all of this Such and how you see the criminals fearful of shadows oh my god batman might be there um we have then, to wait what's the name of the cinematographer again greg fraser great Fra- Greg Greg fraser. fraser this scene this opening scene the way that they the the dynamic changes the way that it's being filmed you're like oh these criminals are in charge and then all of a sudden like the camera turns a bit and they seem so small and they look and they focus on the shadows and you're like it feels like someone could walk out of there any any second. Yeah, you feel that amount yeah. of fear. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, you go they from gonna... as you said, you go from like focusing on the criminal perspective, but then the signal goes up, and then you start getting shots that are looking down on the criminals, as if from the signal itself. Exactly. Dude, Which, come yeah. On. yeah, the visual storytelling. We could harp on this thing the yeah. entire for an entire hour, but. I mean, just amazing. the shots. It's the so shots nice. are amazing. Oh, God. Um, and then, Jacob, uh, what do you think about how Batman is introduced when he's, like, walking up to that first group of criminals in the movie? I mean, it's 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 just a dope shot. I mean, what, what, I, there's not much else to say, man. Like, you you, you see that? And it's just like, it's. I mean, for me, it just, like, strikes it just strikes fear in me. You know what I mean? Like, that shit is scary. Like if, if if some dude in a bat costume, you you don't even know his name at all. Like he's not Batman to you. Walks out, you you're like literally robbing a dude, mugging a guy. I mean, I you'd no be reason, scared man. for no reason, for no reason. Yeah, you'd be you'd be eff- yeah exactly. But you'd be effing scared. <laughs> yeah, I think. Especially I love, I, yeah. he walks up and like breaks a dude's arm or something. Like <laughs> I. I was going to say this for later, but I think we can talk about this now. I want to talk about the arc that Batman has in the movie in general. Um, so, oh my God. so we starting starting from this scene where they're, the criminals are just robbing this guy. Um, and the guy is scared of Batman as well. The guy he's saving is also scared of him and asks him not to hurt him. And Batman's going by the term vengeance. And like throughout the movie, a penguin, Catwoman... Um, I think Riddler might say, no, I think Riddler refers to him as only Batman throughout the film, but like yeah. Penguin and Catwoman uh, call him vengeance because that's what he's going around when the criminals ask him, who are you? He's calling himself vengeance because where we're inserting ourselves in the story with Bruce Wayne here, um, he has completely given up the Bruce Wayne persona. Uh, the playboy is gone and people have complained about this, but I love it. It's showing the trauma that in, 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 in an individual would actually go through if they saw their parents killed in front of them yeah. and they and never honestly, actually dealt with it. And honestly, for the people complaining about like a lack of Bruce Wayne and being like, I understand, yes, Batman fundamentally is three characters. Yes. You have Batman, you have Bruce Wayne in public, and you have Bruce Wayne in his in private, private moments and with Alfred. Like, And I understand that. The thing here, though, is that well, two years in, like, he is Batman fully. He is, and like Ruben said, he has not dealt with the trauma yet. So he is fully leaning into that persona and he hasn't yet developed 
like his mask. He hasn't developed the mask of like the false Bruce Wayne yet. So I feel like that's something that hopefully will be explored in future films. And I know it most likely will. It has to be. Yeah. Matt Reeves has got it square on here, I think, where it's like you have a Bruce Wayne who is so in his work, so consumed in like this, so consumed in like making the city better that he's letting go of everything else. But yeah, continue, Ruben. Yeah, so he's going around calling himself vengeance because he sees himself as, he sees Batman as an individual he's using to, um, well, his true self, taking revenge on the criminals that took away his parents from him. Um, and he reminds himself of this constantly, even in his own costume, where he has, like, as a bat symbol, um, a gun that's cut in half. I'm not sure if it's, um, I think it was rumored that's the actual gun that killed his parents. It might just be a symbolic different gun. But even still, it's symbolizing the gun that killed his parents. And he sees himself as um, a way of, like, preventing that from happening again. So kind of the same as Nolan's Batman in that sense. He sees the Batman persona as a way to prevent a young boy from going through what he went through as uh, putting a coat on someone else's shoulders, I guess is what it becomes eventually at the end of this movie. But here it's still full on revenge, full on brute force against criminals um, to prevent um, someone else from being hurt. Um, And throughout the movie, what you realize is, as Jonathan said, he's fully Batman. Um, Bruce Wayne is, is gone. He's it's one persona. Even when he's going to the funeral as Bruce Wayne, he's just going to see if the Riddler um, is going to show up. He's not really going to pay his respects as Bruce Wayne. He's going as Batman to see if he can get a one-up on the Riddler. But as the movie continues to develop and he realizes his parents had moral complexity and weren't perfect, he realizes that it can't just be a revenge mission where he's selfish and it's all about him. And this culminates in the final uh, 30 minutes of the film when he first confronts Riddler and he realizes Riddler was inspired by him to do these uh, murders. And then it culminates when after he punches one of his goons to the ground, uh, Gordon takes off the mask and the criminal says back to them, I'm vengeance. And the look on Pattinson's face is outstanding here, outstanding acting. You realize that he like notices that, oh, I've gone too far. This is not, I have become something that I did not set out to do. I, I've become a symbol of hate rather than a symbol of optimism, um, salvation. Um, and he realizes he has to rectify this. And then he jumps up on a wire that's about to electrocute a bunch of people down below because at this point the Riddler's flooded the city. And he takes out um, the bat symbol that symbolizes uh, the gun that killed his parents. And he cuts this uh, wire, which I see as an act of basically him putting aside his own selfish need for revenge to save other people. Um, Basically going beyond just wanting to avenge his parents' death to wanting to be something greater Dang, and, and guard uh, Gotham. And then he falls in the water, which I'm, I mean, most film uh, connoisseurs will tell you water character falling in and coming back out is a ba- baptism. Baptism. Is yeah. a baptism. But I love how the water symbolizes two things in this film. Riddler's using it as like a deluge, like biblical proportions to wash away Gotham, um, to try to 
take everything out of it, all the corruption, as a judgment day type thing. And then Batman, instead of that, is using the water to become a symbol of hope to try to revitalize this Gotham completely rather than wipe it out completely in a revengeful act um, of a vengeful god, basically, is what the Riddler's standing for here. And Batman uh, takes out a flare and guides um, the citizens to safety. And then you get this great moment at the end of the film that culminates Wait. in the park. Wait, no, I'm, I'm, we gotta talk. Oh, no, we gotta I, talk about. No. no, we gotta talk about the flare scene, Ruben. Oh yeah, yeah. Go in more detail on the flare scene, yeah, if you want to. Here's here's the thing with that too. We open the movie, and the focus when we're when Batman is being introduced is on the shadows. People are afraid of the shadows. People are looking in the shadows, like there's this looming threat almost, like of Batman looking down on these criminals, and he is darkness. He is the night. And here at the end, he, when he rises up from the water, he is still darkness, but he also becomes a source of light, a source of hope. Mm. He has gone from the shadows to like someone who brings light, who brings salvation. He did that. That's a full circle moment there. Or I guess a 180 moment. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like that's a moment where it connects the beginning and the end. And there's just so, it's just such a, beautiful moment when you realize that too and also that flare scene is also the culmination the first person that he saves from the debris is this kid that they, we've been following throughout the entire movie instead of showing us uh because we've seen batman's parents die time and time again on oh my matt god reeves, i love this matt reeves instead does is that the the, the mayor's son the man who gets killed at the beginning of the movie. We follow yeah. his son through Batman. Like the Batman will see his son time and time again. And he sees that same pain and that same hurt in that kid. And he is throughout the movie trying to help him, trying to make the city better. And at the end, that's the first thing he says. He's like, this is like, for me, what that means is like, it's okay. Like, I don't need to get vengeance. I just need to help the next, the next person. Like, like I need to help them through the process of healing, essentially. There's so much beauty in the way that the story is constructed, in the way that it's at the risk of sounding like an absolute tool. It is poetic cinema, all right? Maybe it's not- it literally it's not rhymes. Cinema. They play something in the way at the beginning and it has a completely different yeah. connotation from the very end of the movie. Yeah. The beginning, it's, it's not, more like a dreary thing where he's like, damn, am I actually making a difference? And at the end, it's like, oh, maybe there's hope here. Maybe I can help the city. And the woman who's like, he helps carry um, to the stretcher as she holds on to him um, before she's lifted by the helicopter. You just see on his face where he goes from um, confusion to comfort to determination. All, all on the yeah. facial acting. Yeah. You go from the beginning where the man is afraid of him in the subway to the end where this woman does not want to let exactly. him go. Exactly. And, and like, Pattinson sells it. He sells it. He really yeah. does. It's like, God, it's so well made. Like, okay, what is it? Okay, is it Tarkovsky-level poetic cinema? Maybe not. But listen, there is art at work here. This is one of the most intentionally made yes. superhero like comic book movies that i've seen for a long time this is not like since like the dark knight since like well okay to be fair logan 
can't forget Logan. Can't Logan. forget things like Spider Verse. But like, this is another one of those movies that comes out periodically where it's like, it's not just another like, oh, addition to like a series of films. It's like, it's saying something in and of itself. It transcends it's to, the genre. Yeah. It's not, this is like what I love to see in superhero movies. This is what I'm trying to write in my own superhero stories. It's something that utilizes superheroes as almost like these mythic beings to deliver like a greater message or a greater kind of story. It's not about the powers at play. It's about, okay, what can these characters tell us about what it means to be human, what it means to suffer, what it means to go through these kind of hardships. And it's just so awesome to see something like this where it's like, yes, comic book movie, but masterfully made. Honestly, God damn it. <laughs> one other scene that I want to highlight um, before we give our closing thoughts on this film um, Paul Dano's Riddler obviously really good they modernized him made him like a modern day terrorist basically who's trying to get a <laughs> gets a following <laughs> online this MF um, is on 4chan he's not actually he's on, he's on Gotham Discord is what it looks like it basically so, is but his acting throughout the film is outstanding um, he's an intimidating force whenever he's the Riddler earlier in the movie, but then at the end, when you see his face and he's not using that mask, you see the scared individual, the scared guy, orphan that was behind it. That was amazing acting on his part. But the scene I want to talk about, uh, particularly, uh, the scene after the DA's car crashes, uh, the funeral, um, where oh, so good. around his neck, um, and he's trying to have, uh, the Riddler's trying to have Batman call him on like FaceTime um, and Batman shows up. Um, so it's Batman, the DA and the Riddler on the phone. And it's this really intense scene um, where the DA's uh, life's at stake. Uh, the Riddler asks him to ask, answer three riddles. Um, and basically Batman at the same time as the Riddler's asking these questions is also trying to figure out what the hell the Riddler's trying to gain from this. So it becomes the DA trying to save his own life, the Riddler's uh, implementing his plan, and Batman's still trying to interrogate the DA um, in a way as, as he's asked these questions by the Riddler to try to get a one-up on the Riddler. And these three uh, motivations come to a head. Giacchino's music, the cinematography, the stakes in the scene, it all blends perfectly. Um, probably one of the most intense scenes I've seen in a comic book movie ever. It's so well made. It's so well done. I, I, I God, God, dude, it's just so amazingly done. Uh, you know, speaking of this Riddler, I think I, I should also mention that there was a moment at the beginning where I was really afraid. I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be maybe a little too similar to Heath Ledger's Joker. Joker. I can't speak English <laughs> today, man. No, Joker. Oh, my God, it's Joker. Hola! No, <laughs> no but, like, there's a scene at the beginning where, like, he sends like a like a like a video to the to the news, and it feels like that. Uh, I'm a man of my word. Scene oh yeah, yeah, night. yeah. I was so afraid, but Paul Dano and all my fears were basically put aside in this scene that Ruben's talking about because it, it feels like it's uniquely his own character. It's unstable. It's unhinged, but it's not like Asian of Chaos kind of level of crazy. It's 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 
it's not like, oh, do I look like a man with a plan kind of like level of crazy. It is methodical, thought out. He is intelligent. He is toying. Like the Riddler is just toying with all these people. If it's not for Batman, really all of these, all of these, like no one would really get like the correct lead. Like Batman and the Riddler's dynamic in this movie so well done. And I think the Riddler stands out as his own unique villain. And I have yet to see Paul Dano put out a bad performance. Seriously. Incredible actor. Few more things, real quick, quick rundown. Andy Circus, which I forgot to mention when I was going through all the actors earlier. Amazing Alfred. My one complaint with this movie, not enough Andy Circus. Um, Matt Reeves, please put more Andy Circuit Alfred scenes in the sequel. What I really liked about Alfred in this movie is I feel like um, especially his final scene with Bruce, because um, that's where Bruce comes out a bit in that scene with Alfred. Um, in that scene, um, basically, it starts uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne's arc, um, and can, like, it starts the culmination um, where he realizes there is still stuff worth living for rather than trying to put myself all into this Batman vengeance persona. Yep. Um, there yeah. are still things I care about, Alfred, is one of them. It's still something he's afraid of losing. So he still realizes he still has an emotional core and a attachment to humanity. That that was really important. One of and the Andy most Serkis, powerful scenes yeah. in the in the movie, honestly. Um, like well, that realization. I, I love how the way like you just see the growth of Batman. Like this movie is basically like like just like walking through Batman's like like a story a story but like the story itself like moves the character and develops him into something greater mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like yeah i feel like I, that's just something i really uh like just loved about this movie more, yeah. um the car chase scene as well i want to mention that real quick oh my god how did we forget about that it's just just so much Beautiful. in this movie Beautiful moment, um, the moment that the Batmobile shows up for the first time. Oh, the sound it. design on that? I mean, that alone should win you an Oscar oh, when that Batmobile God. turns on. Um, the chase in general, how it's shot. Matt Reeves um, using some of the steady cam on the vehicles, as you mentioned, Jonathan, when, like yeah. after the movie. Um, he got that from the Apes movie and he carried it over uh, to this. Um, and just the way it culminates the Giacchino score, um, the Frasier cinematography um, really blend together, bring a lot of excitement to the sequence. And obviously the shot that's in the trailer that culminates it with Batman walking out of the fire slowly. And then you get the shot of the boots <laughs> and the so music's cool. just building. And I'm like, this is the character. This is like the definitive. If the next films are as good as this one, this will be the definitive Batman. I mean, beyond anything else that's come before. Yep. Um, all credit to those actors and what they've done before, but this is a really good start um, to this franchise, and I'm really excited to see what comes next. Last thing I'll mention before we go to final scores, unless you guys have anything, um, is Zoe Kravitz's uh, Catwoman. As I hinted in the spoiler-free section, in the emotionality, I think she's the most emotionally complex of Selena Kyle. Um, you really get where she's coming from, why she's this morally gray character, she had this tough upbringing, uh, Carmine Falcone as a fodder, um, and all the complexity that comes with that, and how I love the interplay of how her life of uh, living uh, destitute poverty uh, conflicts with Bruce Wayne's uh, rich outlook on life. Like he's he suffered, but he still had privilege. 
And I like how that plays out against uh, Catwoman and then a bit with Riddler in that interrogation scene as well. Um, how they were both orphans, but they both had really different uh, paths that yep. they went on. Um, I don't know if yeah. you guys had anything else. And resources and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, I, I guess I should mention, I love the scene where Riddler is kind of fixating on Bruce Wayne in front of Batman. Batman's still not sure whether or not yeah. he knows who he is. But there's more to that scene, I feel, than just Batman being afraid about whether or not he's found, like Riddler's found out who he really is. There's also that feeling of like, oh shit, he does kind of have a point. So many people are suffering and I'm in this for vengeance. I'm in this for me. These kids were living alone. They were destitute. Kids were dying there. And like yeah. Catwoman too. I, get, I don't know why I didn't mention Zoe Kravitz as much. She did a phenomenal job as Catwoman. Like, and there's so many things here challenging Batman's perception of the world. Uh, I, I, lastly, I got to give, uh, obviously, we already talked about Colin Farrell's Riddler. I'm sorry, Colin Farrell's Penguin, <laughs> hilarious, very well done, stole every scene he was in. Uh, but also, I got to shout out John Turturro's uh, Carmine Valcom. Yes. That is the yeah. best. That is the best acting I've seen from Totoro in a long, long time. Honestly. Since, like, do the right thing. <laughs> do the right thing. Yeah. I was gonna... Yeah. Oh, yeah. was also good in his few scenes in that. Yeah. Role, but... Like, like this for me was like, yo, John, where have you been? Dude, come on. He take more of these roles. Like yeah. He does, because he's phenomenal. It, it's like, I've seen him be phenomenal before. I've seen him in this. I'm like, oh, my God. Way better than the way better than the Falcone and the Nolan trilogy. Yeah, yeah. and Batman. I don't know, for me, for me, it's crazy because like there's so many, like, like I feel like there's so, like every time we talk about an actor, we're like, oh, they stole the show. Oh, they stole the show. Everyone collectively steals the show here. Like everyone is working so well. I don't think there's anyone that like outshines yeah. anyone else. Have we there's talked no, about like, a bit? You like, not much. You can you can yeah. talk about him. Yeah, talk about like, him a bit. Um. Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, my beloved. Jeffrey Wright as the Gordon, bro. What a casting choice! Like, look, look, oh my God, I just, I just love it. It's just like so. It's different, but it's great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a, it's, it's this kind of different that, like, just. I mean, I feel like it elevates the character to like a, a different level. Like, Jeffrey Wright elevates the character, um, and he really like. <laughs> I just love like. Um, the way that he uh, like works with Batman yes. in the movie, like yeah. his his dynamic yeah. with uh, Batman's character is like this is this is a different type of relationship. I mean, we've seen that kind of relationship with like uh, the the Gordon and uh, you know Batman from Christopher Nolan's like yeah. uh, trilogy, but I think like it's just this is um this is just a different level. I feel it's like. a more it's... direct partnership because like yeah. Gary Oldman's Gordon and Christian Bale's Batman would work together, but they kind of still did their own thing. Here they're literally like working, a... they're literally working yeah. together. Yeah. Um, it feels like an it feels like Arkham, or it feels like again like yeah. it, I'd say Arkham. Arkham, you have a lot like this close knit tie yeah. between between Batman, Oracle, uh, Gordon, and Alfred. Like there is very clearly. Batman is not a solo act. Like this man yeah. needs, like he he depends on the people around him. So yeah. it's just no, yeah, because like surprisingly, like like kind of like what you said, it's like mm -hmm. it, it is a direct partnership. Because I mean, like one one scene in this movie that really like show like encapsulates like shows that I feel like is like you know like scene like where he they capture Batman, they bring him to the the like prison and stuff like that. Yeah, like, the precinct. Yeah. The precinct, and he's like. 
he gives him the keys and stuff like it. Like he he talks one on one with Batman. He's like, just run up, <laughs> like run basically. He <laughs> like, gives him the keys. Punch me like, in the face and yeah, run <laughs> and run. God, I just love that. It's, it's great. It's great. It's it's uh it's a different it's a different dynamic, but it's 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 like it's pleasing. It's just a such a it's yeah it's it's just such a yeah. pleasurable dynamic. Right. So much. There is so we much. We could keep going that. with this movie, but you know, we have run long today, I feel. But guys, any anything no, else you want? Run. I would just like to say we actually haven't run too long because we have to restart once or twice. So Well that is true. That is true. Yeah. Um anything else you guys want to add? No, I guess just scores at this point. Yeah. Um Jacob, I'll start with you. Final general Final thoughts score. on the movie and then give a score on it. Um, great watch, great movie. Uh, it's, uh, it's not like, like I said before, it's not like any other Batman movie. You don't need to watch any other Batman movie. I feel like this kind of just stands on its own. If you know the character, if you've seen like ca- cartoons, you read the comics, watch this if you movie. you watch every Twilight movie. Exactly. I like literally, you could watch this movie. It's, it's, it, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Like there's, there's something for, for everyone. Obviously it's a darker, darker tone, you know. Uh, if you're not into like <laughs> a more like kind of like realistic yet dark tone like in a movie, then m- maybe this is not the movie for you. Yeah. But it's 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 great. I think if you're if you're into that, so yeah, I'll give it and a uh, sorry. I'll give it a score of a uh, let's say eight eight out of ten or nine okay. out of ten. Yeah, nine out of ten. Okay, you For me, this is this has very quickly entered the gold standard of comic book movies for me. This is up there with The Dark Knight. This is up there with Slogan. This is up there with Unbreakable. This is one of those movies that really understands the character and delivers very strongly. And like, so phenomenal acting, impeccable score. There's very few complaints I have about this movie. For now, I'm setting it at a nine and a half out of 10. But who knows where where I would set it, like just with a little bit more time to think about it. Well, for me, with time to think about it and having watched it twice, I think, as I said, very close to The Dark Knight. In fact, I think in time it might, it could even pass it. I'm not even kidding. Um, and I, that's a big thing for me to say because The Dark Knight's one of my favorite films ever made. Um, but the cast in this is impeccable. Batman's arc is the best I've seen in a live-action Batman. I think the only other Batman movie that has an arc even comparable to this is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which was an animated film uh, made as a spin-off to the animated series, which if you haven't watched that, watch that um, as well. Um, but the characters were well-realized. The storyline was engaging, even though it was a longer runtime. The cinematography, the music, the writing. Matt Reeves also wrote and wrote and directed this thing. And you can tell he gets all of these characters. Like it's not a one-for-one one translation for some of them, but it's the essence of what these characters are, which is all you can ask for in a da- in an adaptation. Um, this is the first one I'll give on this podcast ever. I am doing a perfect 10 out of 10 for this movie. Um, all right, and that is our review of the Batman, and our show for the for the day for the next few weeks. Um, I don't know what we're going to be talking about next time, but um, and you know, I don't know when we'll next time will be. Yeah, we're all busy, but we'll tell you then. Um, let's see, yeah. Jonathan. You know, 
we're we're all keeping our ears to the ground. I've watched a few movies. Ruben has watched a few movies. You know, so uh, this is a busy time of the semester. So to close you out, I give you a word of hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hope. That is my word. Sorry. Hang in there. Things will get better. Um, keep your head. Keep your head on your shoulders. You know, hope for the best. Uh, you have people around you who care about you, so rely on them, and you know things are uh, things are uh, uh, th- things will get better soon. You know, as busy as things are now for me, for Ruben, for Jacob, for you, our fellow listener, like even like yeah. Uh, but hang in there, keep enjoying pop culture, and remember about the things you enjoy in life. For us, it's this. Honestly, it's the time we spend together. It's the uh, things we get to say about the movies that we love. So thanks for listening, and uh, have a fantastic week. Damn, Jakey with the wholesome man thing. I dig it. I dig it's it. wholesome. That's very wholesome. All right. Oh, the, uh, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>